All right. Notice what it says in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What I'm going to preach about tonight, and I'll probably going to preach several messages kind of along these lines, but I want to talk about a characteristic of the Spirit filled. And I'm going to specifically just talk about just one tonight. I may do some other messages uh, here in the near future. Um, there's other characteristics besides this one, but there's one characteristic I want to focus on. The Bible tells us very clearly here, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. But what does that look like? Right? What does it look like when somebody is filled with the Spirit? You know, there's a lot of things that people do. There's a lot of weird behaviors that go on that people often call that being Spirit-filled. You know, we, I listened to, uh, I was listening to a guy singing one time. It was just the audio. I wish you could see it. He was one of, it was one of these camp meeting services. And this guy's singing, and he's singing how firm a foundation. And he gets this one line, and he starts singing about, you know, thy dross to consume, and thy gold to refine. And when he got to that part, thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine, he just started screaming. He's like, Aah! he's like literally growling. He had this real deep, gravelly voice. And everybody in the place is just screaming and go, going nuts. And I'm like, what in the world? And he's like yelling stuff. And I couldn't understand what, he, what he's saying. If I was like, he removes the dross. You know, he's just going, he starts going nuts and everybody's yelling. He got rid of the dross. And he's like, and everybody's screaming. And all of a sudden he's like, I feel it, the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was just weird. And I'm like, you know, where, when people are filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't see him in the Bible screaming, I'm filled with, filled with the Holy Ghost. It was just weird. It was so weird. And I don't think I was being filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, but people will tell you it is being filled with the Holy Ghost. Some people think being filled with the Holy Ghost is, you know, when you're convulsing on the floor, if they're in like some crazy charismatic church. Some people say it's when you're speaking in tongues, if they're in a Pentecostal church. Some people say it's when you're running the aisles and swinging from the rafters, if you're in a camp meeting church. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that people will call being filled with the Spirit. And you know what? There are some characteristics that we see that are very clear that are constantly mentioned of people in the Bible when they were filled with the Spirit. And I'm not seeing any of those things. But the one that I want to focus on tonight too, uh, because I think this one's important, and I see this one all the time. Okay? And I personally think that I saw a great example of this last week when we were in Chicago at the Soul Winning Marathon that we had out there. I believe I saw a great biblical example of people who were filled with the Spirit. Because there was a very notable characteristic that I saw amongst the people. I saw it amongst men. I saw it amongst women. I saw it amongst children. A very clear characteristic of someone who is Spirit-filled. And this characteristic too, you never hear him talk about this in the camp meeting world. In fact, I believe some of the Scriptures that point to this characteristic, people often misuse Scriptures that are pointing to this specific characteristic and making it about the crazy, you know, run around the chicken, like a chicken with your head cut off. And I think that's just foolish when they do that. But this characteristic is boldness. All right? Boldness, I believe, is a characteristic of someone who is filled with the Spirit. You say, how did you see that boldness when you went out? You know what I did? I saw a bunch of people going out. I saw a bunch of you know, ladies, young ladies, going out in the ghettos, 
boldly going up to strangers' houses, knocking on their doors, scary-looking people answering the doors, and I would see, you know, little ladies. My daughters were across the street going up to strangers' houses, Bible in hand, dressed up in skirts, knocking on a door, letting a scary-looking stranger ask what they want, and they're asking these people personal questions. Like, hey, you know, do you go to church? You know, are you a Christian? If you die today, do you know if you go to heaven? People saying, well, you know, they asking them, what do you think a person has to do to go to heaven? And a person says, well, you know, you got to be a good person. And they're correcting these people in their homes, strangers that they don't know, in an area that they're not familiar with. What would make them do that? You know what? They're being bold. Where does that boldness come from? I, I believe that comes from the Holy Spirit. I believe that is a characteristic of someone who is filled with the Spirit. And I'm, I think I can prove that to you from the Scripture. And I think it, it, it's, it's important that we be filled with the Spirit. But unfortunately, most people today, they don't know what it looks like. They don't know what that means because it has been perverted by false religions. And so I want to, I want to, we're going to look at several examples here in a little bit. But I, do, I think boldness is one. It's not the only characteristic you'll see of someone who's filled with the Spirit. It's not the only thing that will show, but it is a key thing that we see in the Bible from people who were filled with the Spirit. And so look at what it says in Acts 2. Acts 2, now this passage is one I believe gets perverted by the charismaniacs, the the camp-meetingers, everybody that's just weird and does weird stuff and then wants to call it being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it says in Acts 2, verse 12, it says, They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? All right? This is when they were speaking in tongues, all right? not like the Pentecostals, but speaking, and other people are hearing it in their own language. All right? And they, these people, they're, they're, they're seeing this, and they're thinking, something's wrong here. These guys aren't smart enough to know all these languages. So how is it that they're doing this? And so instead, of, you know, and not only that, not only are they speaking in these other languages, but it's very clear too. Whenever, and we're going to see many examples. One of the things that was notable about these, you know, ignorant, unlearned men, they always spoke with great authority, didn't they? They always spoke with boldness. They had this confidence in what they were saying. Like, you know, who are you to be telling us? All right, you Galileans, you uneducated Galileans. What are you doing telling the Pharisees off? The smart guys. You know, you're going to tell off the scribes and the Pharisees. They're way smarter than you are, but yet they couldn't stop these people. They weren't intimidated by the size of the crowd. They weren't intimidated by the authority that these crowds had. I mean, this is the same crowd that crucified Jesus just 40 days ago. This is that same crowd, and yet they're not afraid of these people. They're just confronting these people head on. They're telling these people how it is. They're telling them that they need to repent. And so these people, this crowd, they're looking at this and they're thinking, what's wrong with these people? Alright? This, we don't see any evidence at all. There's zero evidence in the book of Acts that they were acting crazy, that they're running around, that they're, you know, swaying with their hands in the air. There's zero evidence of that. What there is evidence of is that they are boldly proclaiming the truth to a mob. A mob that could kill them and eventually did kill men like Stephen. The same mob that killed Jesus. <clears throat> but look what it says. It says, and others mocking. All right? So they're seeing this. What do we have to say about these people who with great confidence, with great boldness, are preaching at us and saying things contrary to what we believe? They just mock, saying, these men are full of new wine. 
But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. You listen to me. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now this is a verse that, that all the weirdos use, okay? Whether it be the charismaniacs that do their laughing thing. Alright, have you ever seen any of that holy laughter that they do? Alright, that is just that that stuff's demonic, alright? I've heard them use this verse. I've heard the camp meeting crowd use this verse when they're acting crazy. You know, when they're doing all the weird stuff that they do. You know, they'll get up there as like, you know, in the book of Acts, they accuse them of being drunk. Now, why do you think that is? You know, because they was probably acting a little crazy. You know, they just got started having them a time. They started having a camp meeting. You know, folks is running, jumping around. You know, slobber slinging, preaching going on. And they think, man, these guys are drunk, you know. But Peter, he says, man, it's only the third hour. It ain't five o'clock yet, you know. They, you know they'll, they'll tell all these jokes like that, and basically use that—the fact that these people are mocking them, saying they're drunk—to basically say, hey, they're acting kind of crazy on Pentecost too, because you know that's just what happens. Sometimes you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Lord, you know, He'll move you to do that because it just humbles you a little bit. No. I, that's not how it is. And that's not what was going on then either. You know what was going on is these people, they were showing boldness. They were filled with the Spirit and they had boldness kind of like, alright, because remember, they're mocking them, alright? So they're using exaggeration. They're using an extreme. And what's something that's often notable about someone who is drunk, alright? A lot of times they don't have any filter. A lot of times they are very bold. You know, they will just see, you know, they'll say anything. They don't seem to be afraid of anything. Alright, you know, everybody's seen, you know, on the movies and stuff, that person when they're going to go confront somebody, you know, they got to take a drink first or something like that just to kind of give themselves some courage. And so I personally believe the reason that they were saying they were drunk, it was just making fun of them because, you know, the last time they probably got told off to the face like that by somebody who was drunk. You know, because a sober person, they wouldn't confront the big shots like that. They wouldn't tell off the guy, you know, the people who could probably have him thrown into jail or get him beat or something like that. But you know what? These disciples, they didn't care. And they were filled with the Spirit. And so you know what they did? They boldly proclaimed the truth of God. I don't believe there is any evidence at all. There is zero evidence that they were acting like fools when this was going on. I believe this was a reference to their boldness. It's not stated in Acts chapter 2, but we see it throughout the book of Acts when they're filled with the Spirit. There, we're seeing the boldness that is identified. And so, let's look at some examples of this. All right, let's turn over to Acts chapter 4, because we see this several times in the Bible. But notice, because here's the big question what does it look like when someone is spirit filled? All right, what does it look like? We've got to know that. How can we know when someone is spirit filled? And notice what it says in Acts 4 13. It says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know what? Whenever, when you're filled with the Spirit, it's going to be obvious that you've been with Jesus, that you know Jesus. And notice the characteristic that's pointed out here. It is the boldness. These guys are unlearned. They haven't got the education, but you know what they do? They preach the same way that Jesus preached. Jesus was another one who the Bible says preached with great authority. You know, not as the scribes. Jesus, when he would get up and preach, 
He didn't get up and apologize like people do today. That's one thing we see from preachers all the time today. They get up. Now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. You know, uh, you know I, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. You know, I hope, you know, they're always apologizing for half the things they say. I just read a book the other day by a guy, and the guy has a lot, had a lot of good points in this book, but he kept every time he would make a strong stand and a strong statement in this book, he would spend, you know, like several pages apologizing for what he was about to say. He did like a whole chapter pretty much apologizing for about what he was going to say in the book. You know what? Just say it. Alright? If you're right, you don't, what do you have to apologize for? Okay? I mean, I'm sorry that there are things that are offensive. I'm sorry that Jesus Christ is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. But you know what? I'm going to preach it anyway. And when we go out to people's houses to preach the Gospel to them, I don't go, like, listen folks, I'm sorry that I knocked on your door right now. I know this makes you uncomfortable. I know this is a little weird. I know not too many religions do this except the weirdos like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. But you know what? I've been commanded by Jesus to go preach the Gospel to every creature. I'm sorry folks, I have to do this. Now is it okay if I you know, present the Gospel to you? I don't do that. We don't do that. We don't go and apologize. You know what we do? We just confront them head on. We ask them, hey, if you died, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? That's what we do. And you know what? Some people don't like it, and a lot of people didn't like it in the Bible. But you know what some people do? Some people, they'll look at that, and you know what would make these people come out and knock on my door like this? You know, when I was a teenager, I almost felt like I was more effective as a teenager when I would go soul winning because it would always get people's curiosity when they would see a teenager going out and doing something like that. You see teenagers dressed up, carrying a Bible, witnessing to people. It got their attention. They're like, what makes a teenager get out and do this? You know. And the thing is, some teenagers, they do it. It looks like they're being forced. It looks like they've got a gun to their back and things like that. And I tell you, people will see that. But, but they can tell when you're doing it because you want to do it. They can tell when you're doing it because you like it. And they see that. And you know what they're probably going to say? They've probably been with Jesus. You know what? There probably is some truth to what they're saying. They're saying this with great confidence. They're saying this with great authority. And you know what it does? It points them to Christ. That's what they said in Acts when they were preaching with boldness. They're saying, you know, these, there's nothing in these guys that should make them as bold as they are, yet they are bold. They have this great confidence. They're not intimidated by the fact that they're Galileans. They don't have a big education. They're not intimidated by the Pharisees and the people that are smarter than them. But you know what they are doing? They're proclaiming the truth. They must have been with Jesus. And it would get their attention because of the boldness. And if we want to be effective as soul winners, we need to have some boldness. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will give us that boldness. The Holy Spirit will manifest that in us and you say, well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like, you know, I, I'm nervous, I'm scared. You know, and we all get that way sometimes. You know, when I drove around that area in Chicago the day before we went out, I was thinking, this doesn't look like it's going to be that much fun, you know. I was a little scared at first. I'm going to tell you, when we got out there and start, just started doing it, I felt fine. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get scared one time when we were out there. And you know what, I, I've never really been scared anywhere when we've been out soloing. You know, when we went out, to, when we went to Rockford, we went soul I was with Brother Bob, and uh, we noticed on the other side of the street there was a bunch of people drinking, and they were kind of acting rowdy and stuff. And I remember at first we were just like, 
we were getting close to finish time and everything, and I was like kind of hoping we'd talk to some people and then decide to keep us busy before we got over there. And we were talking about, I was like, well, yeah, we, I was like, well, we're not going to skip it. Let's just go do it. And you know, and, and I think Brother Bob, he seemed a little worried about it too, but you know what? We got over there, and before we knew it, I was talking to one group of them, he's talking to some of them too. And we were just fine. I mean, the guy was the guy was really drunk too. I mean, I could smell the alcohol in his breath, and you know, the, the, he went to go give this one lady a track, and she was just like, she's like, I can't take that right now. I'm drunk. I'm drinking right now. If I take that right now, I've been drinking. You know, I'm gonna really get in trouble. You know, and, she, and he was just like, well, she's like, you know, just go put it over there in my purse or something. Just, just, just stick it there. I can't take that. I can't touch that now while I'm, I'm drinking. She was like under too much conviction to drink. So you know, he went and left it over there, and you know, and it, it was fine. You know, it, it was it was fine. You know, when you, when you do what you're supposed to do, the Holy Spirit gives you what you need when you need it. Amen. And by the time we got over that, I mean, it was fine. You know, we went, in fact, we scared some of them off. You know, once we started talking to them, you know, some of them just kind of managed to sneak off and go somewhere else. You know, that's what, there was more of them than there were of us. Okay? You know, we, we were on their turf, but you know what? We had something they didn't have. We had the Holy Spirit helping us and gave us the boldness we needed. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is the characteristics of someone who is Spirit-filled. They are going to have boldness. And in that boldness too, we always see them preaching the Gospel. Okay? We don't see them boldly running a lap around the auditorium. You know, we don't see them boldly flopping around on the ground. We don't see anything like that. We don't see him boldly, you know, jumping up and fanning the flames and you know doing the Tony Hudson slash Schluter move that we're making, you know, things like that. You don't see that in the Bible. You see them with boldness preaching the gospel to people, and when people say that, you know, they say they've been with Jesus. And that's what's supposed to happen when the Holy Spirit fills us, what that does is it gets me out of the way and it helps the light of the gospel to shine. It helps point people to Jesus Christ. Okay? Are we not supposed to point people to Jesus Christ? Do we not agree we're supposed to point people to Jesus Christ? Okay, well, how do we do that? Is that what it means? No, that's not how we point people to Jesus Christ. Okay? The only way we can point people to Jesus Christ is obviously by proclaiming His Word, but then by being filled with His Spirit. That's what does that. Okay? It's not pointing somewhere. Okay, it's not it's and it's not even so much getting them to look at us. It's getting them to hear the message. And what makes people hear the message any better than through the Holy Spirit? And so when the Holy Spirit shows up, when the Holy Spirit begins to manifest Himself in somebody, He does it with boldness. And that is why we see it all the time where you can have little girls going out and telling grown men how to be saved. And telling grown men how they're wrong, strangers in their house, on their turf. The Holy Spirit is what does that for people. Most There's many people that have never done it. They think, I'm too scared, I can't do that. Well, yeah, you can't do that. You are too scared to do that. But you know what? How about you just be obedient and let the Holy Spirit fill you? And when the Holy Spirit fills you, you know what He'll do? He'll give you boldness. And you will be able to tell people what you need to tell them. You will be able to preach the Gospel. And not only that, they will understand it because they will see that you've been with Jesus when they see that boldness. And that's what happened when Peter and John were preaching there in Acts 4. Look what it says in verse 29 of Acts 4. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants 
that with all boldness they may speak Thy Word by stretching forth Thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. And they that were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. Okay? Now first off, notice in this story here, these, folk, these, these men who get filled with the Holy Spirit, these are people who are being threatened. Okay? Keep that in mind. Okay? They're being threatened. Okay? What threat are the camp meeting people under when they're doing their you know, supposed Spirit-filled show? None. The only, the only threat that they have is that we see it and make fun of them. All right? that's, the only, that, that's the only thing they're threatened by. Okay? These people are being physically threatened for what? For acting like fools or for preaching the truth? For preaching the truth. And so not, so when you're threatened like that, when people threaten you, that is to suppress you. That is to get you to back off. That is to get you to calm down. But did it work in this case? No. What does it say that they did? They spake the Word of God with boldness. Notice also, and this is what they'll focus on in the camp meeting world, it says that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I was at a camp meeting one time. Not lying, alright? Not lying, alright? I know when preachers go into story time, that's usually lying time, folks. I don't, I, I don't, I don't tell stories, alright? I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in lying to get a point across, okay? I was at a camp meeting one time, and they had this singing family that got there, and they were another weird singing family. And the preacher got up there, and he started telling about this meeting they went to. It was one of these, you know, prayer meetings up in the mountains in North Carolina. And folks, this, He's like, at this prayer meeting, you go up on the mountain, you just see people just laying out on the ground prostrate before God, just praying. And man, we walked up that mountain, we saw those people, you could hear them crying out to God all over the place. And literally, you could feel the mountain shaking. That's what he said. Folks, you know, the Holy Spirit was so strong, you could feel the mountain shaking. And I was like, I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm sitting thinking. And listen, I know I used to go to camp meeting, folks, but it was always for entertainment. It was the same reason I used to go hear Phil Kidd all the time. All right, I never really thought he was legit, but I loved the show. All right, and I used to go to the camp meetings more for the show than just believing. All right, so I, I didn't. I never really came out of the camp meeting crowd. And I remember the the pastor of that meeting. I was, you know, I was friends with his son, and I was talking to him. It was it was several months later, and. That family came up, and I was like, "Hey, can I ask you a question?" I was like, "That guy," I said, "I don't even remember what his name was." I said, "Is he legit?" Because my 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 what I was really wondering is, do you guys believe this guy's stories? And I asked, him, I said, "Is he legit?" He's like, "Oh, absolutely." And I remember I was just like, "Okay, now I know you're weird too," because <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe his dad asked these people to come. It was so weird, but. Now, why did he say that? All right? Why would he make up a story like that? I'll tell you why. Because they read the book of Acts. They see how they were all with one accord in one place. There came a rushing mighty wind. All right? They see that. They see that. Phys- you, know, you read about that physical wind that came through. All right? Here in Acts chapter 4, it mentions uh, you know, that the place was shaken when they were assembled together. All right? Now, I believe that these things literally happened. Okay? I believe the place was literally shaken in the story. I believe that. 
I believe that a wind came through, like the Bible says. I believe that. I believe that happened. Okay. I believe there were cloven tongues of fire above their head. I believe all that. But here's what I also believe. I also believe when that Holy Spirit came, He didn't just you know shake the rafters a little bit. You know what it did? It filled these people, and then they went out and they proclaimed the word of God with boldness. And that's exactly what happened at the day of Pentecost. They got filled. They went out and they preached the word of God with boldness. Here in this story, after the place gets shaken, they didn't all stand around and praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit showed up. Praise the Lord the building shook. You know what they did? They went out and they boldly proclaimed the Word of God. That's what happened. And you know what never happens at these camp meetings? Nobody leaves the place and goes out and tells somebody how to get saved. They don't do that. You know what they do? They all go, they have their good time, and then they go and they have a meal, stuffing their faces, talking about how good it was. Woo, wind blew today. It blew. And, and that's why they do that too. That's why at the, you know, these meetings, they walk around their hankies and they'll, they'll, you know what they're doing? They're trying to spread the Holy Spirit. what they're trying to do. They're trying to fan the flames. Right? That's what they're doing. Okay? Why are they doing that? They, they're wanting to feel a wind. And since they're not feeling a wind, they just create their own wind. All right, they just need to get some big ceiling fans, you know, and just turn those things on, and then they'll get their wind. All right, but they're seeing that in the Book of Acts. They're seeing all the physical things. They're seeing the shaking of the rafters. They're seeing the wind blowing through. But you know what they're not seeing? They're not seeing anybody leaving, going to preach the word of God with boldness. They miss that part, and they, you know, and they'll point out the fact too, you know, is that when they had prayed, that folks, that's why we we got to have us an all night prayer meeting. We gotta pray until the wind starts blowing. You know, we gotta pray. You know, how about you pray until one of you finally gets the boldness to walk up out of the place and go tell somebody how to get saved? Why don't you go do that? That's what that's what would actually happen if the Holy Spirit showed up. But you know what you've got going on in your things? It's not the Holy Spirit showing up, it's another spirit showing up. And it's not the Holy Spirit. And I've preached on that before on another spirit. Well let when the word when when the Holy Spirit shows up, you're not going to fear man. They weren't afraid of the threatenings of these people. We don't care. We're going to go out. We're going to preach it anyway. It says in Proverbs 28 verse one, the Bible says, "The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion." Okay? The wicked they're always running from everything because they know what they're doing is wrong. You know what? Righteous people we're not we're not scared of what we're doing. We're not scared of what we're saying. You know, because I know what I preach is spirit-filled, the things that I preach are from the Word of God. I'm not afraid to live stream. I'm not afraid to put my sermons out there online for everybody to see. We don't need a password. We don't. We don't need those things. Why? Because the things that we do here are spirit-filled, and so they are done with boldness. I don't. That's why I don't need to get up and apologize. I don't need to get up and be politically correct. Preachers today are just stinking politicians when it comes to everything. Politicians. You know, I was just thinking about it too. You know, nowadays, everybody gets so bent out of shape because, you know, we call the homos queers and fags and all that kind of stuff. Like, we're so bad. Okay? And listen, before the internet, preachers did it all the time. Okay? The internet's what changed it because they started getting persecuted for it. But I got to thinking about it. And I, I remembered, how many of you have ever heard the song that Kathy Coral sings, I Still Believe Like Grandma? Right? Kathy Coral, Dennis Coral's wife, she wrote this song, I Still Believe Like Grandma. One of the lines in that song 
I won't get it right, but talking about you know girls looking manly, and then one about guys looking girly, and it was talking about guys wearing earrings. Uh, we didn't think it looked pretty. We thought it looked kind of queer or something like that. I was like, man, they call them queer in a song. They say they used to sing about guys who look like queers. Nowadays, in most Baptist churches, they won't even say queer. They'll say the gays or the homosexuals as to not be offensive. And these guys do. They preach like politicians. Everything they say is analyzed. I mean, they're so careful about every little thing. There is no boldness in what they say at all. And you know why? It's because they don't have the Holy Spirit. If they had the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't be afraid to get up and say it like it is, tell it like it is, and do it with some boldness. And I'm not afraid... To call a spade a spade and a fag a fag, all right? I'm not, I'm not afraid of that, okay? It's what they are. You say, well, that term's offensive. Well, if I knew of one that was more offensive, I would be using that one too, all right? That's just, you know, I, I use that one because it's the worst one I know, all right? If anything more offensive comes up, you know, I'd be, I'd be glad to say that, but uh, I, I don't know anything else. But anyway, um, you know, so, so it's okay. You know, sometimes you're going to be nervous. Okay? Even if you're saved, there's going to be times you might feel nervous. You know, you might not really know what to do, but that's where you pray for the Holy Ghost. That's where you pray for the filling of the Holy Ghost. And He'll give you that boldness to say the things you need to say, to do whatever it is you need to do. And listen, don't pray for the Holy Spirit first. And then, well, if I get filled with the Holy Spirit, then I will go do whatever. No, you go do whatever praying for the Holy Ghost, and then I believe He'll fill you. He'll give you that boldness that you need. Look what it says in Acts 9, verse 26. It says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he... Uh, and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Notice that Paul, who was Saul, who rightfully the disciples or the apostles were scared of because of his past, notice how Barnabas, the things that he pointed out about Paul to prove that he was one of them, to prove that he had the Holy Spirit of God, was the fact that he preached with boldness. And he didn't just preach with boldness. There's some guys that, you know, it's one thing to get up and preach with boldness in this church. Okay? It's not hard to preach with boldness in this church because we have a lot of liberty here. You know, we have a crowd that's welcoming to that type of thing. But you know what? I want to see how somebody preaches in front of opposition. I want to see how somebody handles things when they are confronted, when they have a hostile audience or something like that. You know, it is. You know, one of the dangers of you know this movement that we're in is because it is a you know a growing, thriving movement. There are people that sometimes you know they just want to get noticed. They want you know YouTube fame or whatever, and so they'll come and they'll talk a big game. Okay, they'll talk a big game, and I've seen examples of this. Guys, who they come in, man. I mean, the first sermon they ever preach public, all they do is talk about reprobates and fags and queers and homos and all that kind of stuff. That's all they want to do to show I'm bold too. But you know what? The first time they get any persecution, they fold, they quit, they give up. You know why? Because that 
it said it's not really bold preaching the way I do here. Okay? But it is another thing when you actually are getting persecuted and you have people coming after you. You're, that's one of the things that convinced me that guys like Pastor Jimenez and Pastor Anderson were good guys. When I didn't know them personally, when I saw how they handled you know, being protested by all the queers you know, back after the Orlando incident. I, I watched that whole thing because I wasn't sure about them then. You know, I'd heard all I'd heard all the rumors. You know, and, and at that point I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to them yet. But when I saw the way they handled that opposition, that was ugly. When I saw the way that they you know stuck by their guns, even when like you know the, the mainstream IFBs gave them zero support. In fact, most of them you know took it upon themselves to criticize them. And when I saw the fact that, you know what, they're still preaching with boldness, even during all this persecution, even though you know, they're probably losing people in their church, they're still doing the right thing. That's what told me, you know what, this, these guys are of God. The, it was the boldness. Not boldness you know, just in front of cameras, but boldness in front of actual opposition. Hundreds of people protesting their church. You know, news media bashing these guys, talking against them. I mean, even supposed fundamental Baptists speaking against these guys, yet they're still boldly proclaiming things, not backing down a bit. That's what that's what told me, you don't want these guys are good guys. That that it was it was that event that convinced me that you know what? They they are legit. You know, and um it, it, that was the same thing with Paul. When Paul preached with boldness, when he disputed against the Grecians, it mentions, but they went about to slay him. He's going back and he's telling, he's telling the other apostles, listen, this guy, this isn't the same guy anymore. Not only is he preaching with boldness, but he's doing it in the face of opportunity. Because the truth is, or in the face of opposition. Because the truth is, it's not really being bold unless there is opposition, isn't there? You can't really be, it's, it's not bold at all. You know, if I just go off by myself somewhere and I'm just talking big and I'm talking tough, that's not really bold. What's bold is when you're doing it in the face of opposition and against threats. And when Paul was doing that, that told Barnabas, we can trust this guy. And he went and he told the other apostles, and when they heard that, they ended up accepting him. They ended up fellowshipping with him. So look what it says in Acts chapter 13. So here's another characteristic of someone who's spirit-filled. Because remember, it's not bold if there's no opposition. Okay, you're not brave if you come up to me, you know, and tell and say you hate the fags or something like that. You know, you're not brave. You're not bold if you say that to me. All right, I'll pat you on the back if you say that. Okay, it's different when you're willing to preach the truth to opposition. And listen, op, you know what opposition means? means you've got enemies. Okay? Look what, look what it says in Acts 13, verse 44. It says, In the next Sabbath day came almost, almost the whole city together to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing ye put it from you, ye judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee, to, uh, set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life were believed. So notice that these, how they, Paul and them, they had, they had opposition. They had enemies. And a person who is Spirit-filled, a person who is boldly proclaiming the Word of God is going to have enemies. Why would we think the devil's just going to sit around and just let us boldly proclaim the Word of God with zero opposition? And you know, unfortunately today, most Baptist churches are patterning themselves. They are, they are conducting their ministry in a way to avoid all criticism. Especially with the trendies. The trendies, everything they do is just to be liked by everybody, to not have any enemies. And you know what? The old IFB is falling right along with them. You know, I just want to be a blessing to my community. Alright, well, you, being a blessing to your community is preaching the truth. They don't know that, that it's a blessing. Okay? But it is what they need. It is your job. And when they say, I want to be a blessing to the community, it means I want to fit in. I want to get invited to speak. You know, I want to get invited to pray at the town council meeting. You know, I want to get the honors. I want I want to have the politicians come to my church. You know, I want to do I want to do this. I want to be liked by everybody. I want to receive the keys to the city or whatever. And the last thing that these guys are going to ever do is they're going to you know they're never going to ruffle feathers. And one thing that is note, that one of the most common characteristics that you will see of many old IP pastors today is they don't have any enemies. Okay? They don't. And folks, if you don't have any enemies, it's because you are not doing anything. Dude, you go the, other, the independent fundamental Baptist churches that are around us, all right, they're within an hour of us. Go look them all up. Go go search online, see if they have any enemies. See if anybody said anything negative about these people. Some of these people brag about their five star ratings on Facebook. Okay? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll brag about, you know, I'm actually kind of embarrassed by our ratings on Facebook and Google reviews and stuff like that. So far, we're pretty good, all right? Uh, but we, we've got a few negatives, but uh, yeah, I, I'm embarrassed by that, personally. We're not obviously making enough noise, all right? But, uh, you know, my goal is to get that down. <laughs> down uh, anybody who listens to me, my friend, you know, don't go do that on purpose, all right? Let me, let me earn it legitimately, all right? But... Uh, you know, let me because I actually made some people mad. All right, but yeah, don't go don't go home tonight and give us a one star review on Google just to make us look good. All right, but you know, I, I mean, I've heard family members say, you know, one of the things I do, I look at church and I look at their reviews. And, you know, if they if they you know have these lower reviews, I don't go to that church. Really, I don't want to go to a church with a five star review. You know, they don't have any enemies. You know why? Because they're not spirit filled. Every good, every great man we see in the Bible had enemies and dealt with persecution. All the people that we're supposed to be like all dealt with persecution and were hated by the world. Yet when we're hated by the world, guess who calls us the bad guys? Old IFB does. They act like there's something wrong with us because we have enemies. And you know what? That it, listen, I I wasn't there. I didn't know him personally. I was not I, I, I was not around during that time. I, I am not a Jack Hiles apologist, okay. But at the same time, do you realize much of what we see in the trendies today is in response to all the criticism that he got 
We had these new guys come along saying, you know what, I want to avoid all that criticism. So they pattern their ministry in a way where they will never get criticized, not realizing the reason he was probably getting criticized was because he was shaking things up. Because he was making a difference. Because he did lead a soul winning movement like the world has never seen. Because he did pastor, you know, the biggest church, you know, in the United States. I think probably had the biggest Sunday school in the world as far as Baptist churches go. We don't, why would they, why would he not get criticized? Why would he not be getting attacked and lied about? I don't know. I wasn't there for any of the things. I'm not here to defend, but I'm also not here to accuse because I wasn't there. But I will tell you this. I had, I do know the man made a difference, shook things up, and you must think I'm an idiot if you think there are going to be people out there lying about him. That's exactly what happens when people make a difference. They have enemies. They lied about Jesus. They lied about the apostles. And you know what? If we do the right thing, if we make a difference, they're going to lie about us. But you know what? In most of these old Ivy churches, you won't find one negative thing about them online. You know why? Because they don't have any enemies because they aren't doing anything. They have no enemies in their community. Okay? And you know what? I mean, thank, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but you know what? I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get quite a few enemies out there. There's, starting, there's quite a few negative videos about me you know, popping up on YouTube and things like that. I used to be scared of that. I used to think, oh man, I would hate that. You know, I'd see these things. I, I was like, man, that would be horrible. I would hate if somebody wrote an article against me like that. Anymore, I'll see some of these things. You know, I'll, I'll, somebody will send me a video. Oh, cool. You know, I, I don't even watch them half the time. I, I, I don't even care. You know, I, I, Punk Kyle's done a few of them on me. I, I watched like one of them, and he was just like ranting like a lunatic on there, and I was like, this is stupid. You know, I, I quit watching it, and he did a few more. I didn't, I didn't even watch the rest of them. I was like, man, this isn't even any good. You know, I, I thought, thought you could have got, come up with something better than that. There's much people these time, it's time that they spend trying to find things. But uh, a person who's spirit-filled, they're going to they're gonna have opposition. They're going to have enemies. They're going to be lied about. It says in Acts 14, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. I just feel like getting sidetracked right here. Alright? Here these guys, notice how these guys, when they're getting people saved, when they are winning people over, guess what these Jews moved with envy did? They start stirring people up. Kind of like this clown out of Mike Allison's church that can't stand you know what our crowd's doing in the replacement theology world. So what's he doing? He is making all these he's making these videos out there, you know, criticizing Pastor Anderson, criticizing the things that we teach. And, then, and I heard this being it was being showed in a church in another country. How did I find out about it? They sent me a text showing this was shown in our church. Why? Stirring up the people, acting like we're the bad guys. What are we doing? We're getting people saved. That's what we're doing. You know, we're teaching people the truth of the Scripture. But what are they doing? they got Sam Gipp going around to church after church. you got Bill Grady going all over the country talking about little old me. You know, talking about, oh, you know, these, this, you know, this new IFB, you know, these people are everywhere teaching this stuff. You know, just in talking about me, you know, keeping them from his Jimmy Johns and, you know, telling them all this stuff about Israel and, you know, this heresy. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard him preach about me. And I've got I've got it on video. I've been thinking about putting a montage together, just showing how little material this man has. 
Just showing how he does the same thing verbatim from church to church to church. And you know what? It's just it's getting boring. Alright? It's get, it's getting it's getting boring. But what's he doing? He's the one going from church to church stirring things up. I'm not the one going from church to church stirring things up. I'm not going from church to church to church talking about Bill Grady. I'm talking about it at my church. This is my church. Okay? It's Sam Gift that's going from church to church to church, stirring people up, getting people all fired up, and getting them all worried about these Andersonites and all these people that are wanting to come to church and going to go soul winning and don't want to teach people that they have to repent of their sins in order to be saved. These are the guys going around stirring people up. Why? Because they're envious. Why? Because the sun is setting on their influence. And they're seeing a new generation rise up that's preaching the truth, one that hasn't compromised, and they can't stand it. And so they do. They speak of us like we're the evildoers, just like they did in the Bible. But what are we doing? What are we doing? We're... Getting people saved. We're winning people over. We're speaking with boldness. Look at this in verse 3 a long time ago. Therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part held with the Jews, part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also with the Jews, they were rulers uh, to use them despitefully and to stone them. Notice what happened when these guys preached boldly. You know what? Half the crowd went with them. Half the crowd went with the Jews. You know what they did? They caused division. You know these new IFBs causing division everywhere. Well, I'm sorry if they're preaching a false gospel. If they're preaching some of these, you know, damnable heresies that are in dispensationalism. You know what I say? I say let's divide the multitude. You know what? I say let's let them have all the people that are accepting a false gospel, and we'll take all the ones that are preaching the truth. I say that's what they did back then. That's what they did back then. You know what? That's what that's what we're going to do right now. And what are they doing? They're, they just they lie about us, and it's no different than what the spirit-filled people uh, had done to them in the Bible. And so, if you have the spirit of Christ, they are going to treat you the way they treated Christ. John seven seven says, "The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil." Okay? The world can't hate us. Look what it says in. Uh, John 15. John 15. I need to turn over there. I can't quote this. John 15 and verse 8. It says here, or no, verse 18. I'm sorry, not verse 8. Verse 18. It says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. He's go- and he goes on to say, listen, you're going to get treated the way I got treated. Why? Why would we get treated the way Jesus got treated? I'll tell you why. Because we have the same spirit that Jesus had. We have His Spirit, so they are going to treat us the same way. But yet, you know what we see preachers doing today? We see them tweeting pictures of themselves, so thankful to preach or get to pray at the Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast on MLK Day. Yeah, I saw Pastor I know bragging about that. I wouldn't brag about that. I'd be ashamed of that. I'd be like, what? You know, what am I doing wrong that that crowd wants me to preach it or pray at their thing? 
You know, you'll see these preachers so blessed today, you know, to get to go and you know shake the hand of this politician and pray at this thing. Listen, why don't you take that opportunity to preach the fire out of that guy, to preach the devil out of these people that are sending our country down the tubes? They don't do any of that, and they go and they brag about the honors that they receive from the wicked. But you know what? That's not what happened to the people in the Bible. They were persecuted by the world. They were hated by the world. And you know what? These people that are loved by the world is because they are of the world. That's all there is to it. Acts 19.6 says, When Paul had taken his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing... Disputing, we shouldn't be disputing, we shouldn't be fighting. That's what Paul did. Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So here we are, division again. Okay? They're, they're, they're causing division. Preaching the truth. That's going to happen, folks. We are not supposed to unite with error. We have not been called to unite the world. Okay? Matthew 10.34 says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. You know what? And listen, the reason that people today are not wanting to cause division, the reason they are wanting to unite everybody, the reason they are wanting to just love everybody, it's not even because they love their father and mother more than God, it's because they love themselves. They can't handle being hated by anyone. That's all there is to it. They love themselves more than they... Because here's the, here's the real truth. Okay? If I'm not preaching the truth to you because I want you to love me, I love me better than I love you. Okay? And I love obviously love you better than I love God if I'm not preaching you the truth. But ultimately, you know, my priority of things is, you know, I love me first, you next, and then God last. Is the way it really is. And that's how that is how people are that that is wrong. So religions coming together, it's not a sign of revival, it's a sign of apostasy. I'm sorry, but when they had the Burlington revival in North Carolina, and you had the Assembly of God people coming out to that meeting and them letting them get up and pray and stuff like that. That wasn't a sign of revival. That was a sign of apostasy. We are not to unite with the religions of the world. When the Billy Graham Association came out to that meeting and wanted to participate, that wasn't a sign of revival. That was a sign of apostasy. That's what that is. And you know what? Us leading people away from dispensationalism us people leading people away from Zionism, you know what that's doing? That's, that's causing division, just like Jesus said He came to do. It's division because we're dividing people away from false doctrine. And you know what? That's a sign of revival right there. Unity is not the sign of revival. You can't find that in the Bible. Okay? Any uniting that you see in the Bible that's positive, it's them uniting around truth, not compromising with error. So the notable characteristics of the Spirit filled in the, in, in the book of Acts is that they speak the Word of God with boldness. You know, and what, what we do, the way we operate, folks, the us going out and knocking on people's doors, going up to strangers, 
uninvited, putting ourselves out there, opening up a Bible, asking them if they know for sure they're on their way to heaven. But that doesn't make sense to the world. But you know what? We do it and we do it with great confidence. Why? Because we know it's true. We know we're preaching the truth and we're not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. These people, they might look at us funny. They might think, well, I'm not going to go to that church where they go and they have all their people out knocking doors. I don't want to go there. You know what? That might be exactly how they feel. We probably scare more people away from our church than we bring into our church. But you know what? There are going to be some people out there that are going to hear that message and they're going to believe. And you know what? They're going to get saved and they're going to go to heaven. And so you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on doing it and we're going to do it with great boldness. And why do we do this? Why would we? Why, what causes us to feel led to do this? It is the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the feeling of the Spirit of God. Why is it that little girls will go out and knock on the doors of strangers and not be afraid to talk to grown men four times their size when tell them that they need to trust Christ as their Savior to tell them their work's not good enough to get you into heaven. Why? It's because they have the Holy Spirit. That is the filling of the Holy Spirit. They have boldness. Why is it that a little boy will do that? Yeah, they might be nervous at first. That first time they do it, they're probably scared. Their voice might be a little shaky. But you know what? God sees them get out there. He sees them being obedient. And you know what He does? I'll tell you what happens. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit fills that that young boy. And you know what? He gives him the boldness to do And all of a sudden, he's not scared to do it anymore. He's not afraid to go up to that door. You know why it is that some shy, meek people that are scared of confrontation, when they get obedient, they'll go out and they'll knock on somebody's door and they'll get chewed out, they'll get cussed out, they'll get humiliated. But yet, you know what they do? They still walk, they walk away and they go to the next door. And they can keep on doing it. You know why they do it? It's because they have boldness. It's because they've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they're not ashamed. Why is it that we're not afraid to stand up against big name preachers who get up every week, they speak in their palace of buildings, they stand up there in their fancy suits and their fancy cufflinks and their Rolex watches, and they get up and they preach against people like us who preach in smaller buildings, who, pre- who pre- preach to smaller crowds, who don't have as many people. Why is it that we're not afraid to get in those people's faces and tell them that you're the heretic, you're the one that's not right with God, you you teaching these people they got to repent of their sins to be saved, teaching they got to change their life in order to truly be saved, trying to tell people if you haven't cleaned up your act, if you're not going to church three times a week, it's probably because you're not saved. You know why we're not afraid to stand up to these people who have doctorate degrees? You know why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. That's why. You know why they fold? You know why they they go and they take their stuff offline? Why they want to password protect the things? Because they're terrified of losing their possible building. They're terrified of losing the big offerings that they've got coming in. They don't have the liberty that we have in our church. They don't have the boldness that we do. They gotta analyze everything before they even put a statement out about anything. They gotta have lawyers looking over. They're on the phone every week with Christian Law Association. Hey, can I say homo in my church or can I say sodomite in my church without getting sued? I mean, they're dependent on these people, constantly calling them up, asking, you know, what are we supposed to do in every situation? They're scared to death. They're bringing these people in. I've been to some of these meetings where they'll bring in these Christian lawyers warning all these pastors about how we've got to do things now because there's so much danger out there. You know, There's people that are going to lie about you on the internet and they're going to say this about you and they're going to run your name through the mud and they're going to accuse you of things and they're going to try to sue you. And what do they do? They get scared. And they just all it does is it makes them go home and you know what they do? They tone everything down. 
They go and they just start getting their sermons from Paul Chapel. He's not going to ruffle anybody's feathers. They go to guys like him who look like a fundamental Baptist, who say a lot of the things that we say, but is just a compromiser and a half. Fox News Baptist. They're following after these guys and then they wonder why their churches aren't getting anything done. And the truth is, they ran the Holy Spirit out of their church. The Holy Ghost is not in their church. They have no boldness. They're not preaching the truth. And you know what? What they need to do, I don't. they need to get the Holy Spirit back in their church. They need to invite Him back in. And you know what? When He shows up, He'll give them some. He'll give them that boldness that they need. And so, you know, these intellectuals of the world, they're going to keep saying we're delusional, we're deceived. You know, the haters of God, they're just going to say we're drunk or on drugs. You know, going up to their houses like that. But the truth is, we do these things because we're filled with the Spirit of God. We're not, we're not afraid. We know we're doing the right thing. And you know what? We know what our, our work is righteous and so we're as bold as a lion. When I go to that house, and like, hey, you're probably not going to want to go to that next house. That guy, he, he hates religion. Uh, my attitude is, well, this should be a fun one next. You know, I go knock on it anyway. Why? Right? Boldness. That, that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. That is a characteristic of the Spirit filled. So, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for Your Spirit that helps us do the things that, Lord, we shouldn't be able to do and, Lord, we clearly cannot do unless You're with us. And dear God, I pray You'll help us to uh, stay, stay close to You that we will uh, realize how dependent we are on Your Spirit. Lord, help us not to waste our time going out soul winning without the filling of the Holy Spirit. Help, help me not to waste my time and the people in our church's time preaching without the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to uh, stay as close as we can to You. Help us not to quench the Spirit. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.